Good morning. Hi, my name is William. And here from the word of the Lord, Psalm 126, verses 1 to 6. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap the songs of joy. Those who go weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, good morning uh, once again. Welcome to Lord's Love on this uh, special uh, Baby Dedication Sunday. A lot of new faces, and I look forward to meeting you uh, after our service. Uh, so today we are continuing on our sermon series uh, called In the Waiting as we're upon Advent. And we're learning what does it mean to, to wait uh, and to live in the time that we live in now. Uh, the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means arrival. And as Christians, we believe that there was the first arrival of the Messiah, which is through baby Jesus. We celebrate and remember that. Uh, but also, we're in between arrivals, that Jesus will once again come for his church and for his people. But I've been challenging the church and saying how actually Jesus arrives to us on this day today as well. That in your longings, in your hopes, in your dreams, in your desires as well, here in 2023 in Vancouver, Jesus, that we're praying that he would arrive in your life and that you experience him in new ways uh, too. Uh, as Aaron, our chairperson, just shared, that during this Christmas season, it's so easy to get caught up in the consumerism of things. And there's nothing wrong with shopping, uh, nothing wrong with gifts at all. I, I'm reminded of a Boxing Day shopping uh, quite a few years ago now that uh, Jess, my wife, and I did. We lived close to Metrotown at that time. It was walkable distance uh, to the mall. I remember on Boxing Day, he's like, hey, we're not driving, so why not make the trek? And I remember it was like an uh, exodus of people on the walkway, on the greenway. I'm like, where's everyone going? They're all walking so fast. And they started walking faster. I started walking faster. And before we know it, we're like running to the mall. I don't need anything. I'm just running, running in anyways and getting caught up with the rush. But in the waiting, in this time, during this Christmas season, we intentionally slow down and remember and take a breath and remind our souls that everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, during Christmas, we can get caught up in the current of consumerism and efficiency and not so much in the rhythm of grace, rest, and redemption. That during this Christmas season for us as a church, we've been praying that we would experience this rhythm of grace to each other, with each other, and rest and redemption, that our souls would just be restored and that we'll just experience life uh, again. I got this quote from uh, Timothy Jones in a blog post called Why Celebrate Advent. He says this, in a religious milieu that has fixated itself on using Jesus to provide seekers with their most convenient lives here and now, Advent is a particularly awkward intrusion. Advent links our hearts with those of ancient prophets 
who's pinned for a long-promised Messiah, but passed long before his arrival. So, in other words, it's really saying that here in the hustle and bustle of 21st century Vancouver Canadian culture, that Advent challenges that thought. It challenges us to rest and to take a moment to pause and to deliberate and think about and, and ponder what is the meaning of life. Just think about it. Jesus, as Christians, we believe that he is the Messiah. But just think about it. He is the promised Messiah that for centuries before that point, that people were, that prophets were just whispering, whispering, saying, hey, the Messiah is coming. He's going to come and save the world. He's going to give you new life. He's going to give you a life beyond imagine. Just whispers of that. And here in 21st century after, in 2023, uh, 2023 years after the birth of Christ, that we see and we live in that truth that it wasn't just a whisper, it wasn't just a rumor that God fulfills his promises, that everything God says is true. And that's where we come to the big idea this morning on Advent as we celebrated and remembered what hope looks like, what peace looks like, and this morning what joy looks like. What does it mean to be in the waiting in between and to find ourselves with joy? And the big idea for, this, for us this morning is this. Choosing joy means choosing to see beyond the situation. Seeing beyond the situation. Not just in the present moment here and now, in the pains and the sufferings that are very real that you're going through and the questions that you have and the doubts that you have, but to see beyond those situations because of the hope and the peace and the joy that God gives us. Now, what's the difference between joy and happiness? Maybe that's what you're wondering this morning. I want to argue that joy is this deep, profound uh, truth that we experience deep down in the soul, and the happiness is actually quite fleeting. That happiness is in the happenings uh, around us. I, I found this uh, description between the differences of joy and, and, uh, and happiness from Compassion Canada, an organization that, rest, that feeds uh, hungry children around the world, they say this, the difference between joy and happiness lives in the mind and in the heart. Joy is a little word. Happiness is a bigger word. Joy is in the heart. Happiness is on the face. Joy is of the soul. Happiness is of the moment. Joy transcends. Happiness reacts. Joy embraces peace and contentment, waiting to be discovered. Joy runs deep and overflows, while happiness hugs Hello. Joy is a practice and a behavior. It's deliberate and intentional, hence the choosing aspect. Happiness comes and goes blithely along its way. Joy is profound and scriptural. Don't worry. Rejoice. Happiness is a balm that just covers. Don't worry. Be happy. Joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression. Joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. A, per a person pursues happiness but chooses joy. Choose joy, practice joy, know joy, live joy, feel happiness. And what I love about this is this remind us, reminds us that this joy actually goes way deeper than anything we could ever imagine because this joy uh, is deep down and happiness is fickle because there's nothing wrong with being happy. I want to be happy too, but that guy cut in front of me when I'm driving and that happiness is gone in a moment. Or I'm very happy, content on a Saturday morning with my book and my cup of coffee and my toddler comes and just, you know, pours the coffee, hot coffee all over my pants in that moment. Happiness gone, so fickle in that moment. Or you tell your kids or, or, or your loved ones or, or your partner or your husband, your wife, the same thing you've told them a thousand times before. You're happy before that and then they do it again and then that happiness 
is gone. See, this deep down joy that we have, this deep scriptural, biblical kind of joy, it cannot be stolen because it's grounded in Christ. It's grounded in this Jesus that fulfills everything that we do. And I have three quick points from this passage in Psalms this morning of how do we choose joy, quite practical, uh, from, from Psalms 126. Point number one here is that we choose joy by giving thanks. We choose joy by giving thanks, by remembering the things that God has done. Psalm 126, verse 1 to 2, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who only dreamed of it. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. So it's not quite personal yet, I'll get into that, but it's a reminder of how the Lord has done great things for them. We can choose joy every single day. We can see beyond the situation by giving thanks in the moment, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how difficult it is. And I may have shared this story before where there's someone in our congregation that's, that has this, um, uh, that, that's sick and going through treatment and going through therapy and just reminded through the text messages, like, yeah, I'm in pain. It's been a lot of struggle. It's been a lot of hurt. And I don't know how much time that God has given me here on earth, but today is good because I'm alive and I'm thankful and I have new breath in my lungs. Today is good because I got to see my family. I got to see my kids. I got to see my grandkids. I got to enjoy life a little bit more. I don't know about tomorrow, but today I am here. That's this deep down kind of joy that I'm talking about here. We get to choose joy when we see beyond the situation, thereby giving thanks for what we do have all around us. You see, the context here of this psalm is that that was first written by the people of Israel, the uh, as they're ascending back into their, uh, their hometown, Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was built on a hill. So as they're coming back from slavery, coming back from captivity, this psalm was written as they're going and ascending. It's a psalm of ascent. As they're going into the city, they're singing the song. They're remem- reminding themselves that they were in a moment of pain and suffering, but God has rescued them, that God is with them, that God is bringing them forward. So they chose joy by giving thanks for how the Lord has brought them to this moment. Are you giving thanks every day? Are you finding little ways to give thanks? Uh, maybe it's through a meal. Maybe it's through at your job just to pause and be like, hey, I'm thankful for this role that I have. Maybe it's being thankful for your family, thankful for the house, uh, the, the roof over your heads. Whatever it is, there's ways to ground ourselves and to choose joy in the everyday. I remember when I was cut off by that driver, uh, real story, I uh, cut off by the driver and I was angry. I held off on the horn, quite proud of myself. Uh, I thought I'd let him know, but I didn't. Uh, I was like complaining and then I was like, oh man, this is so bad. Traffic's bad. I'm getting cut off. And then I saw a guy biking uh, in the rain and maybe he chose to do that. Uh, props to him, very Vancouverite. But I was thinking in that moment, a little, you know, as I was giving thanks, a little joy came out of me. I'm like, okay, I have a car. Uh, I have a roof over my head. I'm driving forward. Yes, I'm stuck, but at least I'm out of the rain. There's little moments day by day where we get to choose joy. Secondly, we get get to choose joy as well by being close to God, as the psalmist says, because where God is, is the best place to be. Psalm 126, verse 3 to 4 says this, the Lord has done great things for us, so it switched. There's an observation of what God is doing for the people of God, that God has done great things for them. Now it becomes personal, and they're singing this, saying the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled. We're filled with joy, this joy that's beyond understanding and no one else can steal. Verse 4, restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negev. 
The Lord has done great things for us. And we get to choose joy every day when we get closer to God because we realize God is the best thing there is, that in life, nothing else can ultimately fulfill and satisfy us. I'm going through another uh, uh, round of marriage prep as we're going through 2024, right? Uh, the marriage prep sessions for some of the couples there. And my first question I like to ask couples is, why do you want to get married? <laughs> That's the first question I ask. For those of you that have gone through the course uh, with the rates of divorce and how painful it is and how expensive everything is, why do you want to get married? And they're kind of taken back. Right, in that moment, like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, I'll let the guy go first, you know, like, that kind of thing, uh, <laughs> answer first. Uh, and it's like, why do you want to get, want, want to get married? And, and, and often, it's this answer that, you know what, like, there's this commitment to each other, like, we want to be close to one another, we want to find uh, this new hope, and this love, we want to build this life uh, with, with one another. But as they're feeling those things, I'm like, those are all true, those are all good, and they're even saying, like, God, I feel like God's put us together, and we're well-matched, like, all those are good and fine and dandy, but... I come across and I come back with this answer at the end, and I'm kind of ruining it for you that might go through the marriage prep process. But, but I, kind of, kind of, I kind of say this, like, no matter how much you love each other and no matter every, how perfect you think you, each other, you are for each other, you will never fully fulfill each other. And they're, like, taking back again, like, I should leave now. This, you know, I come into this marriage prep and get my butt kicked kind of thing. And, and like, no, it's like, because it doesn't make sense that if you're imperfect, you're like, yeah. And I look to the other person, like, you're imperfect, right? It's like, yeah, I'm not perfect. Well, how does it make sense that two imperfect people, when they come together, all of a sudden, things are perfect? And they're like, oh. You see, two imperfect people can't fully fulfill each other in the same way as all other things in life. They can't fully fulfill. They were never meant to fulfill. In fact, our spouses or that thing you're thinking about, that new thought, the new TV that we bought, the new house that we have, the car that we're driving, the money in our bank, anything that we have in life was never meant to fully fulfill us. Because there's this God-sized hole and this, this, this God-sized hole in our lives that's only meant to be filled by God alone. So we choose joy by being close to God because that's where our home is. That's who we're meant to be with ultimately at the end of all things. Another quote from uh, this blog called The Life Experiment. Uh, Stripy socks are nice, but will they make me happy? Will they grant me fulfillment, sparkling wit, an attractive personality, status, money, the admiration of the people I myself admire? Do I, in fact, really want any of these things? Admiration is nice, but once acquired, suddenly you find there are other people whose admiration is more appealing, and the admiration of the people whose admiration you sought somehow isn't as important anymore. Money is only useful or interesting if spent, and what on earth would I spend it on? Status is won and easily lost, and once you start thinking about it, there's always someone whose status is greater than your own. And you only have to look around for approximately 30 seconds to discover someone better, cleverer, more talented, and attractive than you are. Attractive personality and wit are of little benefit if your introversion means that spending time in the company of others is predominantly exhausting. And fulfillment, is there anything more fleeting? This is the confessions of this author. The idea here is when we choose joy, we're actually choosing to be close to God, that when we're closer, the closer we are to God, the more our soul finds our home, finds our purpose, finds our longing. Who doesn't want that? To have this purpose, to wake up every day, be like, I know why I'm alive. I know why I'm here. To have the sense of fulfillment that nothing else on earth can fully give. Here the psalmist encourages us that in choosing God, 
we can choose this joy and experience this new life. Just like the rivers in the Negev, which is an area, a desert in Israel, and that's what it looks like uh, quite often, arid and dry. But once in a while, there's a lot of rain. And when it rains, it pours. And there's this, uh, if you look on YouTube, just type in uh, Negev River uh, Flow, something like that, and you'll see how there's total dry beds like this. And all of a sudden, it would be filled. Like a flash flood will come, they'll wait, and the people in the desert will be cheering and cheering, cheering, saying, the rivers have come for the season. We have water again. We have water to live. So here the psalmist refers back to the rivers in the Negev. Like when you come closer to God, when you experience Jesus in this new way, when you have the Holy Spirit filled inside of you, it's like the rivers that come through this arid desert. And you can experience this new life like no other, this fulfillment in your life. So firstly, we choose joy by giving thanks. We choose joy by being close to God. And thirdly and lastly, the way we actually think about suffering helps us to choose joy. What do I mean by this? Psalm 126, 5 to 6 says, uh, says this, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy, Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. So there's this juxtaposition of tears and joy. This interesting picture that we get that when we actually shed tears and we're in sorrow, that those are sowing these tears will actually experience joy in their life. How does this make any sense? Because often, unless you're watching a happy movie, you're crying because, you know, you're sad. (laughs) And there's certain emotions that are being hit here. Here's the understanding that in order to, uh, how do we cultivate, that it is possible to cultivate joy in very difficult situations, no matter how arid, how painful, how much suffering it is that you're going through. It is possible to experience this joy, not because of any human strength, not because of anything that we could do, but because of God how he's this unending stream of life of that can come into our lives that is possible to cultivate joy during these tough, tough, tough seasons. And as I think about tears, and then it ends up reaping songs of joy, and how those are carrying, that are weeping, end up sowing, and it grows into these sheaves of life that give life to those around you, my mind comes to the person of Jesus my mind comes to the person of Jesus. Why is joy possible? Why is any of this joy possible at all? Because you might be asking in your mind right now, Doug, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how hard 2023 is. You don't know the questions that I have. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the suffering that I've endured or my family has endured and my relationships I've endured. You don't know what's going on. What makes this joy possible? I believe deep down in my soul that this joy is possible because of what Christ has done. This Jesus has done for us. That was born in a manger not many years ago. That that was God's salvation plan in action to save you and to save me because of Christ's suffering. For Jesus chose joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. That he, Jesus had this joy. He chose joy. Even though he came, he lived a perfect life. He was tortured and beaten and mocked and died a death he did not deserve. He For the sake of joy, he chose joy in those moments. The joy of what? The joy of our salvation. The joy of the new life that you can receive. The joy of the new life that I can receive. You see, the tears, the tears that Jesus sowed and he wept, 
the tear, the blood that he shed, it ended up being a river of joy for all of us. The thro- that flows from the throne of God, the tears that he shed ended up being a song of joy for you and for me, for anyone that chooses Jesus today, actually, in any day, and to say yes to him. He was placed on the cross so that we can have this new life. And that's why as Christians, we celebrate Christmas. And we're reminded and we remember how Jesus is the Messiah, how God has a plan for you and for me, that despite the pain, despite the difficult circumstances, despite the arid spiritual climate of our lives, that God is able to break through. Maybe for you, if that's the question you're asking, but if you're praying for someone else as well, you're thinking that their, heart, their hearts are hard and maybe they'll never receive Jesus. Keep praying. Don't forget. Keep talking. Keep conversing. Keep being with them. For this joy, it can come from tears because of the cross. And every time I forget that, I look at the cross and remind myself what, what God has done for us. So the question I have for you as I come near an end here this morning, how do you need to experience God's joy today? Now, I don't mean happiness because it's not just on the surface. This deep down fulfillment, this deep down joy of knowing and being content, that's saying, I don't need anything else because I actually have everything I need. That is a gift. How, How do you need to experience God's joy today? Where in your life are you longing for this restoration? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's in your own heart. Maybe it's a mistake you made 30 years ago. I don't know. That you've still been carrying on your shoulders for that long. Maybe that's where you need some restoration. There's this promise here on this Advent Sunday. As we remember the joy that God gives, he's able to break through in the most hard and dark places, the arid and dry places, and to give us new life, to give you new life. I end with this picture, and I'm not sure you can see it on the screen here. Uh, This is a Lutheran church in Bethlehem right now. This year, usually during Christmas time, there's a nativity scene at the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem uh, where floods of tourists come to see the Christmas tree being lit. But this year, because of the war and the turmoil that's going on, no tree is being lit. And this Lutheran church, in fact, to remember uh, this time and to pray, uh, set up this nativity scene among the rubble, because Bethlehem, if you didn't know, is actually on the West Bank in Palestinian territory. So they took the rubble around them and set up this new nativity scene. If you can't see, I zoomed in a little bit here in the middle. Then among the rubble, they placed baby Jesus right in the middle, and they have the wise, uh, the magi coming around. They have the, the sheep and the shepherds and the angels coming around to try to recreate the story. Here it is a reminder for us in the church there in Bethlehem, a reminder that despite the war, despite the pain, despite the death, despite everything that's going on, there Jesus is laying in a manger, peaceful in the middle of it all, that we're reminded during this Christmas season that God is not afar and aloof and out in some throne, but he's sitting in the middle of your chaos right in the middle of your mess, at the messes of our lives, the pain of our lives, peaceful and chaos, at the end of it, everything is going to be okay because God's plan is in action. So it is possible that even though you're going through pain in the darkest moments of your life and maybe you've fallen away, maybe you have questions, and maybe you don't even believe in a God because this morning this is your first service ever that we read this morning and we believe, maybe you can believe for the first time and again, it is possible to have this joy 
and this peace that cannot be stolen. But the next person that cuts you off, but the next letter grade that you get, the next promotion that you get or don't get, the next review that you got, the bank account, the money, the cars, the relationships, the people, no matter what, that despite all of this, everything is fulfilled in Jesus. And we're reminded that everything is going to be okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you again that you're reminding us, God, that you love us and that you knew us. This morning, God, even before we knew you, you already activated a plan of salvation to save us, to come and to save humanity, come to save me and you today. Father, I pray for those of us, Lord, that maybe are going through a tough year and tough time, that we need restoration in our souls, that there is this joylessness. Father, I pray like the streams of the Negev, like a river flowing through a dry and desert land, that you would come today, that you would arrive again in our hearts, and that we would experience you afresh. Father, I pray for healing in this room. I pray, Lord, that for a new experience uh, of you in this room. I pray, God, that you would answer the tough questions that we have. I pray, Lord, that you ultimately will give us purpose and that you will give us joy beyond understanding. So, God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you, God, that you're with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.